Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, before we get started, we want to thank, uh, give our thanks to uh, Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to stop by there, purplepainsforum.com. Uh, and with that being said, let's get into first down here. And uh, we uh, we have a win. We're, we're back to 500. I shouldn't say we. The Vikings have a win. I don't, I don't want to be associated. Um, although I'm slowly slipping in. Uh, yeah. You know what? I think that we'll probably see this game a little bit differently between you and I based on just your history, what you've experienced with this team, the ups and downs. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we can definitely agree that that was ugly last night. It was horribly ugly. And the thing is, too, is in so many ways, it was entirely predictable, right? Because just the Vikings always do this at Soldier Field. Even if they find a way to win, which they did, thankfully, it's just so horrendous. And so I don't know if, you know, I'll probably go back and rewatch the game and maybe have a better opinion later. But I don't know if more blame ought to go to Clint Kubiak or to Kirk Cousins. Uh, But, you know, the truth is probably both of them had a really lousy day in, in combination with the offensive line had a really lousy day. And that's even with the fact that they didn't have to deal with Khalil Mack. So it was just a brutal effort from the offense. They still put together 17 points, but given all the chances that they had with, I don't know if I want to say how well the defense played, because I think so much of the errors from the bears were self-inflicted, but I'll, you know, credit, I guess credit to the Vikings in a sense for capitalizing and not and not making it worse than it need to be. Um, so, you know, credit to the defense. The offense had chances and they really didn't do an awful lot with it. And so it was, to my mind, just so typical. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that's how you're seeing it. Yeah, like I definitely felt like um, things were ugly. And I do agree that there was some blame to be put. I would put it more on Kubiak than I would on Cousins. Um, yeah. And I guess, I don't know if it was horrendous. I would say that like I felt like the offense was average, I guess. And maybe that's not, that's not what we're hoping for, but I think it was average in the first half. And then you, you're up like in an away game and you're just, you're looking to, to drain the clock. And so I understand why that second half offensive performance was as bad as it was. Um, but I, like I said to you last night, and I think I'll, I'm going to take a little bit of a step back. I think that that Chicago Bears team that the Vikings played last night was the worst performance in an opponent for the Vikings this year. I, I initially mm-hmm. thought that it was the worst performance that any team had done in the NFL that I had watched personally this, <laughs> this year. Um, yeah. But I did watch yeah. a Thanksgiving game that was pretty poor. Um, Ooh, yeah. And so I think that it's probably not fair to go that far, but I – Maybe you have a different opinion, but I think it would be hard to find an opponent that the Vikings have had this year that played as poorly, looked as bad, made so many mistakes that put themselves in a position, like a vulnerable position to lose. Um, and despite the score being 17 to, to 9 at the end, uh, it never really felt close. I know it maybe felt in danger uh, because this is the Vikings, but it really felt like it was going to be hard for, for that Chicago team to put anything together that was going to be dangerous. You know, it was, 
I, I don't I don't know. I, I think a lot of Vikings fans were nervous. I was certainly nervous in the second half because, you know, as you're saying, so the Bears are a pathetic football team right now, like horrendous. And so much of that is really not their fault. They get this bad COVID situation. So obviously uh, you're just hoping their guys come back healthy and, and they're, you know, ready to roll when they come back. And that'd be, you know, obviously great. Um, but in terms of like just the on-field product for this game, they had so many absences. They've had so many key injuries. They're missing several coaches, including a couple coordinators. Matt Nagy is a horrible head coach. Ryan Pace is a horrible general manager, right? And Jalen Johnson, one of their young players who looks to be kind of a key building block for the future, earlier in the week, something to the effect of, uh, you know, some players in the roster, you know, going into tank mode or something like that. And so there are some rumblings that this team is, or at least some of the players are, are looking to give up. Right. And I don't know if that's why you maybe saw some of that fieriness from Matt Nagy on the sideline yesterday, and that the man is trying to motivate his guys and, and basically they're fighting for their lives. Right. And with with the team. You put all that together and the Vikings still go out and perform like they did. You know, this is I know soldier stuff. I know division games are tough and I know weird things happen, uh, but that really should be a 40 to three win, not a 17 to nine win. Uh, I know there's no Adam Thielen. Who cares? They don't have Allen Robinson, right? Like, I, like I know there's, you know, for every for every excuse you could come up with for the Vikings, there are about three or four or five of those instances for the Bears, right? So, yeah, the Vikings were dealing with less than ideal scenario, but I mean, Kirk Cousins was horrendous. Fifty percent completion percentage, eighty-seven yards. He had a couple touchdowns in the pick. Now, the pick I want to kind of forgive him for in that Justin Jefferson was basically tackled coming off the line of scrimmage. And so who knows what would have happened with an interception. Maybe it's a long completion. It's hard to say. But in any case, Kirk Cousins was horrendous, as he often is against the Bears. And Clint Kubiak, I think, is horrendous as well in this game. How you don't come up with more uh, kind of easy catches that allows your quarterback to get into a rhythm early, it's just beyond me. It's beyond me. And so I recognize that the screen game hasn't been the same. And the screens they tried didn't work particularly well. I understand that Dalvin Cook was bottled up yesterday, which is obviously less than ideal. But that was as clunky of an offensive performance as we've seen against a team where there was really no excuse, right? So, you know, I think as, as I'm talking to you now, I kind of think it's 51% Clint Kubiak, 49% Kirk Cousins. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Zim's got to get thrown in there a little bit to a certain extent insofar as, you know, he always struggles against the Bears. His team's always struggle against the Bears. Uh, we don't match up particularly well, but man, they basically had a practice squad secondary out there, and we've got arguably the best receiver in the game. I would say he's top five, probably top three. I'd still pick probably Devontae Adams over him, but at the very least, he's an elite wide receiver. And the dude is what four catches, forty-seven yards. So, to me, it's just inexcusable, right? Like the way that they performed yesterday. So, and then the fact that it took 28 carries for 89 yards for cook when he's already battled these injuries, man, just rough, 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 rough game for the, for the Vikings. Yeah. And I guess maybe I'll get into a little bit more on our, our next down. Um, but I do feel that uh, I understand the frustration. Um, and I do, I think, that I, I guess, let me pick up on a couple of things you said there. I think the secondary piece was, was the thing that I was most disappointed about in the sense that you do have this like 
practice squad secondary um, in a sense. And you do have Justin Jefferson. And I know that there was a lot of double teams. And even there was actually a quote that he was triple teamed on that uh, 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 Smith-Merset touchdown. He was. Um, Yeah. And so, like, I get it. But, like, you you feel like, especially with Jefferson, like, you you should be able to find a way. So I think that that is a fair fair criticism. Um, I do feel that at times and you know what let's let's get into it now let's transition to this now i, I for me yeah sure. like i want to know how many of the vikings wins this year have you felt good about because i know you didn't feel good about this one you didn't feel good about pittsburgh steelers uh mm-hmm. the, the steelers one uh probably didn't feel good about the detroit lions one that they won the last minute field goal how like how many of the, the remaining four can you remember that you feel good about I think I only feel good about three of their seven wins. I felt good at the time of beating Seattle in week three because Seattle has always played us tough. And uh, the expectation still at the beginning of the season was that they were going to have a good team. And so I felt very good about getting that winning and getting to one and two. We would have started 0 and three, which would have been bad. Uh, so I felt good about beating Seattle. I felt good about beating the Chargers. Chargers are a good team. We beat them on the road. And I always feel good about beating the Packers. So I think there are three games where I say to myself, okay, well done. And then there are four wins where I say, what the heck were you doing? And that's how I feel about Steelers, Bears, Panthers, and Lions. And then obviously a lot of the losses, do you feel just like you got punched in the stomach? So, you know, I, boys, if, if that isn't an indictment on the team's leadership and direction, I mean, not that my opinion really matters, but it certainly feels as though there are a lot of folks who are of the same mind as myself, right? In that I'm okay with the Vikings being taking kind of steady measured approach in season and not making any drastic moves. Um, but, you know, something really needs to change here because we were all expecting uh, a much more dynamic defense. We were all expecting much, much more from the team overall. And it just hasn't really materialized, right? So seven and seven, and they're fighting like heck for their playoff lives, even to get in. And it's an expanded playoffs, right? It's not like we're like, you know, fighting like heck to get that first round by, you know what I mean? So it's, it's getting that seven seed. Uh, so boys, oh boys, it's, it's a disappointing season. And I do feel after the Thursday night win against so two primetime wins, back to back primetime wins for Kirk, I feel more discouraged in some ways than I, than I did before uh, when we were five and seven. So it's tough. I mean, do you, do you look at those games differently? Well, I do. And I guess this is, I think we're part of this that we're going to transition here to the team's identity moving forward. And I, I see it differently in the sense that it is a, a win and I understand there's the process of it. I like the, the NFL is a, a tough league and i think that we often forget that like there's the reasons mistakes sometimes happen is because like you're playing a good opponent you're playing pro players on the other side and a pro coach and everything and so like things aren't always going to be great i i'm sure that you can probably look back on other seasons and be like oh man like we had some really decisive wins and like this vikings team is really rolling um this team is kind of clunking its way or along and and getting there and like i think that's okay like, I guess one of the things I'm recognizing with this team is there are certainly some patterns 
that are concerning. I think that that's where you're kind of getting at is that there's some patterns that you have seen continually throughout this process. Um, one of them being maybe just the defense uh, with, with two minutes left, uh, just not seeming to be able to get stops when, when you need to. Um, I was actually, I was laughing last night. I was like, is two field goals within two minutes better than one touchdown? Like points wise it is. And, and obviously it ended up not being two field goals because of, of the blocked, uh, the block uh, attempt on the second one. But I guess for me, it still, I don't feel as discouraged because it feels like they still have the ability to win every game that they have been in for the most part. And I think that like, I'm, I'm trying to flip this a little bit in the sense like they've, they've made every game close um, yeah. and some of them that they should have won big, they um, haven't, but there hasn't really been a game this year that I felt like they've just been, been out of it. And yeah, I just, I, I think this is where I'm at a little bit just with sports fandom is that it feels like, like we just need to be able to enjoy things a little bit more and mm -hmm. for us to be so worried about the process of stuff, like, like they're pro players, they're going to figure it out. And I actually think that I was thinking about this this morning that I don't know if momentum is that present in the NFL, if that makes sense. If you look at other sports when they're playing more regularly, like the NFL, you're playing once a week and it like, mm -hmm. let me say this, the, the Minnesota Vikings haven't shown anything so far that shows that um, the performance from the week before influences uh, the, the next week. And so yeah. I'm not too worried about the, 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 um, the motive or the, the momentum, but I guess I think that maybe you're just more concerned about the process. The process and, and what that process reveals to my mind is, I mean, like, like, okay, so you're mainly hockey fans. Some pe people who listen, maybe you're hockey fans. It's like when you see, like when I, you know, if you were to watch the Leafs game, Sam's favorite team, and their penalty kill week in, week out was horrendous. And they made the same mistakes over and over and over again. Like at some point you get really concerned about the penalty kill, right? And you get concerned about the folks who are leading and, and designing the penalty kill and, 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 basically everything that goes into it in that you're making the same mistake over and over and over again. You're trying different things and it's still not working. And so it's concerning. And so it's, it's similar in the sense that like, yeah, I get what Sam's saying. And I, I, to a certain extent, I agree. Momentum is kind of this abstract make believe thing. Right. And I know some players have talked about, you know, it does, doesn't exist. Like I make my own momentum, like, but I do think confidence is real. Right. And do think the way that guys feel about themselves and their team is real. Right. And so sometimes you just feel great about yourself and you feel confident. And I recognize that that sometimes is a trap because sometimes you feel great. You don't prepare like you ought to. You don't have the same sense of urgency. Um, there's no way that could be the Vikings. There's no there's no way the Vikings could stand back and look at themselves and say, man, we got it all together. So. But if they if they were feeling a little bit unconfident, I could certainly understand that, especially going into a tough Rams game and then a tough Packers game against two teams we could probably safely say are the better team right now. And then a bears game, which yeah, we're better than the bears, but man, look at how they play us. So it's, it's concerning some of these trends. Uh, and I just, I think so much of our success yesterday just went to the simple fact that Justin Fields was horrendous. Justin Fields had a horrible, horrible game. Um, you know, I watched the week before just to kind of get a sense of what he can and can't do. Uh, the the game he played against the Packers, 
you know, and, and I, you know, I wrote about this over on Purple PTSD. You can check it out. Just basically saying as much as possible, the Vikings want to shut down the run game, put the ball in the field's his hands and, and make him beat you. And that's going to be frustrating sometimes because he can do amazing things. Like he's, he's such a gifted player, but he just makes such bonehead mistakes, holds onto the ball too long. You know, he moves well, but he doesn't have great pocket presence. He'll fumble the ball. He'll throw interceptions, you know, and, and basically we saw it all yesterday. We saw the fumble. We saw the, we saw the inaccurate passes. We saw the kind of boneheaded mistakes within the pocket, like just no real sense of the pressure, even though he's quite elusive. Um, and so I, I don't know, like I know Sam's taking the glass half full approach and he's more optimistic than I am just as a general personality, right? Like just in his approach to life, he's more optimistic than I am. Uh, but this is concerning to me, like in terms of the team's identity, I know this is our second down. What's the team's identity moving forward? It seems clear to me that the Vikings are very, very happy to lean as heavily as possible on Dalvin Cook, right? And against the Steelers, he was dynamic. Against the Chicago Bears, he was really clunky, but happened to be probably what they needed because Kirk Cousins was so bad. So it seems to me that as kind of boring as it sounds, we're kind of settling it into Mike Zimmer football in that we're going to try and run the ball really, really well and control the clock. And at this point with the defense, you're probably saying we're trying to shut down the run as well. And that they have Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson. You got Sheldon Richardson, a D tackle playing defensive end. So he's a pretty big body out there. And then you got Byron Kendricks, right? And uh, so I, I think it comes down to run the ball well, stop the opponent from running the ball well. And I think that's going to be Minnesota's approach going forward. Whether they can do that against Sean McVay and the Rams, that'd be interesting. That's going to be very, very interesting. Right, right. And I, I guess one of the things that maybe like just to pick up on another positive from last night, and I know that you've mentioned the Justin Fields effect, but that was a very yeah. good that was a very good defensive performance last night with forced fumbles, with um, uh, the uh, well, like even just the the special teams recovery. Like th- like that defense looked really good yesterday. And if I am a Vikings fan, I am much more like, I feel much more confident that the offense is going to be able to figure it out and put it together. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I'd, I'd much rather see a good performance out of the defense considering how the right. season's gone in the offense. And so I feel like that is encouraging. You look at these, especially these next two games against the, the Packers and the Rams, like this defense absolutely needs to be at the top of their game for them to be able to, to, uh, to pull out. We like, at least a win. That's what we like. We need one, a minimum one and one, um, right there. And I, like, I feel, um, I don't know if I feel better or worse playing the bears now in that last game in the sense that like, that was, that's yeah. a very, very bad team. Uh, but there's also like, sometimes I think that especially a division rival, if the Vikings have a playoff spot on the line, uh, yep. I'm not sure. And, and so I guess maybe you feel like they're settling into a little bit of an identity right now and you're not really happy about what that identity like what that identity is like like do you feel like they're kind of they come away from yesterday feeling a little more positive than the most fans do uh i i don't know i i think behind closed doors it must be super frustrated right and i think he was he was very upset at different points in the game uh which i understand i was upset as well uh i can't imagine what he thought of the eric hendrick's ejection uh nor can i imagine what he thought about that whole challenge that wasn't thing uh but in any case you know i I, 
credit to Zim in a sense and credit to the defense. They really don't have a number one corner. And operating without a number one corner is a massive deal. They really don't have a number one defensive end. That was Daniel Hunter, but then he got lot, he's lost for the season. So it's like if you said to like a hockey team, you have no number one center and no number one defenseman, are you gonna have a tougher time? Right. I know it's not a perfect one for in comparison, but like it's it's that kind of thing where like these crucial pieces, right? And then even with Everson Griffin's injury as well, being a way that you know, number two defensive ends. And so like missing these critical pieces, Patrick Peterson never became the number one corner that we were hoping, right? And Daniel Hunter unfortunately wasn't able to stay healthy and be that game changer as the number one defensive end. And so I I I give the defense credit for the sense that you your two most important spots in the defense without question in today's NFL are corner and edge rusher, right? You want to stop, you know, ideally stop the other receivers from getting open. And and uh, part of how you do that is by having some stud along the defensive line who can hit the quarterback consistently, right? And we just haven't had that. So that that's why I kind of say to myself, well, they do have their two starting defensive tackles. They do have pretty two pretty good linebackers. Kendricks happens to be a very, very good linebacker. Uh, so that's where I think this team probably has to shift into that identity. And then from there, I actually think, I mean, like many people, I, th- I think it's probably addition by subtraction, moving on from Breland and getting Dancer onto the field. You know, he forced that fumble on fields, right? He's, he, Dancer has always had great physicality. He's, he's always been a great tackler. Uh, the issue with Dancer is not, does he have what it takes physically? It's, it's mentally, is he dialed in, right? And so I do wonder if, Zim will make the coverages a touch more, uh, less complex, we'll say, right? And, and, and just kind of easy to understand what your role is, you know, week in, week out, down in, down out, every, you know, from play to play, and then uh, really focus on shutting down the run as best they possibly can. I imagine that's the combination going forward for the Vikings. And, and then really, you know, against the Rams, you know, you're going to do that. The Rams are going to score without question. Matthew Stafford's legit, right? Sean McVay is legit. They're going to score points. And then and the Vikings, they just don't have the horses. They don't have that defensive end. They don't have that corner. Uh, so they're going to try and limit them as best they can on defense. And I understand that. And then the, the offense really, and Sam was mentioning that, you know, you have more confidence in the sense that maybe the offense can really turn it around, especially if feeling comes back. The offense really has to be, for these next three weeks, like high-end, top-tier, top five NFL offense, explosive, dynamic, unpredictable, balanced. You know, you're feeding Justin Jefferson, you're feeding Dalvin Cook. And that's well and good. They can still get their attention and their focus, but that doesn't necessarily preclude the possibility of also really featuring Adam Thielen, getting CJ Ham a couple touches, you know, having three to five targets for Conklin, right? You know, all, all this stuff is there. KJ Osborne certainly can handle more uh, when Thielen's back. So I that's got to be the the formula going forward, I would say. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm not in the coaching meetings. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I, I am going to say. I know you said there's there's a lack of uh, presence of the defensive end, but DJ Wanham had a had a a great game last night. Three sacks, I think, is what they had him down for. And again, some of it was Fields. Like taking a sack on a screen pass. It's like missing an empty net in hockey. You know, you're, you're just like, holy crap, man. Um, so DJ Wan just happened to, you know, kind of right place, right time as Fields made this stupid mistake. But give him credit. Give him credit. Like he's hof- hopefully 
will basically in, in, in a normal season where you have those defensive ends, DJ Wanham will hopefully be a very, very good third defensive end. Someone who can rotate in, give you strong snaps. He's long and strong, which obviously you want your defensive ends to be long and strong. So, you know, that's, you know, maybe that's a good transition point for third down in terms of uh, maybe you, you take it away for third down there. Yeah, for sure. Well, one, one more thing before we transition to third down here, sure. I, I know there was a, a tweet that I wanted to read out just another credit to the defense. Uh, Nicholson yep. tweeted out last night saying that the bears had more red zone trips as in five uh, than red zone points, which is three. And so I know yep. that there was a little bit of an addendum on that because the touchdown at the end uh, was technically in the red zone uh, so yes. that was points, but um that's definitely um, uh, both parties are contributing to that one. <laughs> yep. um, uh, but again, a, uh, a positive for the defense. Certainly. But, but let's transition to third down and we're going to do this quickly because we've got an off season to talk with us and uh, we're not, we're not ready for the off season yet. Um, but what we do want to look at is maybe some players that are auditioning for jobs for the 2022 season. And so there's certainly some players out there that, um, are fighting for positions or fighting for where they are going to be in this lineup or if they're going to be in this lineup at all. And so Kyle and I are each going to go back and forth and name three players that are uh, auditioning for some, some roles and, and maybe just 30 seconds as to uh, what we're looking for from them and, and maybe why that they're being mentioned in the section. So Kyle, why don't you start it off? Okay. So the first one, I'm trying to, you know, avoid the usual suspects. I'm, going to, I'm not going to say Kirk Cousins, even though I know, I know a lot of people think that. Um, first one I'm going to say is Michael Pierce, because if he's a post June one cut, you can save eight and a half million dollars, which is not an insignificant amount of money. So I think Michael Pierce is a good player. I think he could have a role with this team moving forward. I don't know if the Vikings will be happy with that price tag, given that they signed him close to two years ago. Now he opted out because of COVID-19. Fair enough. Uh, but then he's also been hurt this year. He had that elbow injury. So I don't know. I think he's auditioning for his role next year. Uh, in these next few games, uh, what can you show us to prove that you are worth that money and or worth perhaps an extension or a restructuring or something along those lines? Yeah. Michael Pierce, number one. That's fair. Uh, for me, I was going to say Cameron Dantzler. And I think that not that he's going to cut. I know you said he's still on his rookie deal, but is he a starting cornerback? Can you put him out there as one of the two guys on this defensive line and feel feel good? Like you said, corner is such an important position. And he has shown so many good flashes, but then there's also been these mental lapses at different times. And I'm a believer. I feel like he can do it, uh, but he does need to show, especially I think in the next uh, three games and, and hopefully more uh, that he can, uh, he can hold that position. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, the next one I'm going to have, and this is, I hate the fact that I'm saying it in that I, you know, I, I hold him in high regard. And so I do hope he's back, but I'll say CJ Ham. Just in that, depending on who takes over, if assuming Zim is fired, which I do still believe he will be fired at the end of the season, and a new coach comes in, not everyone has that same philosophy as Zim. Not everyone uses fullback. And so, again, post-June 1 cut, you only leave behind 750000 in dead money. You free up $2.7 million. Shout out to Over the Cap for providing these numbers. They have a great website. So I do wonder if CJ Ham uh, is auditioning for his role. Uh, what can you show us, both on offense and special teams, uh, which obviously shows us a lot every week, but will that be enough for was presumably a new coaching staff and obviously a bit of a tricky financial situation uh, next off season. So CJ ham is my number two audition. Okay. Well, I'm going to say um, 
Kenny Wongway. And I'm going to say it in the sense that I think that he is auditioning for that backup running back position. He's done a great job on the kick returns that I know, but like, no, I, last night they were talking about, they want to, like, he wants, he wants more. And like, he is so fast uh, and quick. And I think that he would provide a really neat element. I don't know what that means for Madison. And I guess maybe in a sense, this is a, a combination of the two, uh, but I would really like, he didn't really get a whole lot of touches last night uh, in the backfield, but I'm, I guess maybe I should just say it's a combination of that, that backup running back position. I feel like there's an audition there for, for who's going to take that role next year. Okay. Yeah. All right. True enough. Uh, final one for me. I'm torn between the O-line and special teams. I'll go special teams. Greg Joseph, who I believe will be a free agent after this year. So it's not a cut situation where you can save more money, but obviously the team needs someone to kick field goals. And I'm, I'm in the camp that even though he's made a couple of mistakes, I think Greg Joseph has done reasonably well this year. So I think these final three weeks, if he has a really, really great final three weeks, especially if it involves a clutch kick or two to beat a superior team like the Rams or Packers, I think that could go a long way in the team saying to themselves, you know what, we want Joseph back next year. Uh, I think he'll have to compete to get his job, but at the very least, give him a real legit shot to be the man yeah. on special teams. Um, so Greg Joseph. Okay, before we transition, I want to know what grade you give Greg Joseph right now. Um, report card, what, what does Greg Joseph get at this point through uh, through week 15? Man, I'm giving him... I'll give him an A-. minus. Okay, yeah. I was thinking you know, A-. A-, 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 A is generous because he's, he's, he has missed a, you know some PATs and a couple big kicks, but A-. minus. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel pretty confident with him back there. He, he has missed some, some kicks, but... Uh, yep. I, you know yep. what? I think that we talked about it in the start, and I feel pretty good about uh, him being the kicker uh, at, at least this point. Um, mm-hmm. For my third one, I I ran this by Kyle at the start, and I'm I'm in no way um, advocating for anything here, and I don't want to be controversial, but I do think that there is it's fair to ask um, what Adam Thielen's contribution looks like on this team, and I don't think that he's mm-hmm. in a position where he's going to get cut. I, I certainly am not advocating for that. I want to be clear that that, but I am realizing with the emergence of Osborne and with Jefferson where he is uh, and with how talented um, yeah, this wide receiver core is like, you do need to be able to um, spend money where it's, where you, where, where you, it's needed. And at this point, uh, especially if you're going to run the ball with Dalvin cook, as much as you are, you got to figure out what you're doing with your receivers. And like, does it make sense to have um, yep. three great receivers I, I Osborne still has things some things to prove and I think last night it shows that um like Thielen it is very helpful to have him out there um, yes and so again I'm not I'm I'm not saying that this is a um something I'm advocating for but I do think that it is going to be interesting to see what this team does uh and the money that they're going to spend at the wide receiver position with how talented both Thielen and Jefferson are and with the emergence of some of these younger players look I love Adam Thielen. He's 31 years old. He's almost at 17 million for his cap hit next year. And he's very much been a secondary option to Justin Jefferson. And so again, it matters what, what direction the team goes in, in terms of the leadership, but I can, I will not be at all surprised if he ends up in a different Jersey in, in 2022. I don't want that to happen, but there are three significant strikes against him. Right. And, and so we'll see what happens. Yeah. 
It, it feels even like dirty to say that or like just wrong. Oh, it's hor- It's horrible, man. He's, I love Adam Thielen. Um, yeah, like I'm again advocating for him, but but you have to make hard decisions in football and with yeah, the way the, the cap is and uh, who knows if, what's going to happen with restructuring. Like I'm not like we spent last year leading up worried about what the cap situation is going to be. And then there was a bunch of restructures and now they're sitting with like $4 million in cap space this, this year. Like, like they're going to be able to make it work, but they do need to figure out where they're going to spend money. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's probably fair to say that there are more immediate needs than uh, spending a lot of money at, at the wide receiver position. Yep. That's right. Um, good. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up that and switch the odds and ends and, um, the, uh, the NHL is a little bit in shambles right now. Uh, yeah. the, the wild yeah, right. played last night against the stars. It seemed like a little bit of a gong show game. Um, I think for Minnesota wild, there's certainly at this point, um, the, I think the most pressing thought for fans is, is this winter classic game going to happen? Is this outdoor game going to happen that they, they have scheduled, uh, in just a couple of weeks here. And it's just, it is, um, it is a neat experience. The players talk about how much they enjoy it. And I know they were talking about it in, in pregame uh, interviews yeah. yesterday, if, if it was going to be able to, to happen just with the way that COVID has been um, running through the NHL. And I think that um, like they're as of, t- so today is two, we're recording Tuesday morning. No, is it Tuesday morning? Yeah. Tuesday morning. I'm thrown <laughs> off because of our, uh, the Monday night game. Um, yeah, exactly. We're recording Tuesday morning. So there's going to be a couple of games at this point. Uh, that are going to be played tonight and then things are going to get shut down uh, until after yep. the Christmas holidays. And so I sincerely hope that this, this outdoor game will be able to happen um, for Minnesota wild fans and for the players. Um, but man, it is, it is a frustrating time right now for, to see the way that COVID's happening. And, and I'm all for um, shutting things down. It's, it's necessary at this point, um, but it is disappointing. Yeah, it's so discouraging. You know, it's yeah, it's so discouraging. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Do you do you have? I have a hockey question for you. Uh, a quick one. Do you have anything else for the Wild? Uh, only that, and you know what? I'm going to touch on it more next week uh, once it actually starts. But World Juniors are coming up, and Minnesota yeah. Wild are are represented well there. So, um, yep, lots to follow there. Okay, so that's 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 good. Like, because I'm going to ask you about the um, I'm going to ask you about the World Juniors. And so, obviously, I think it's a way, way bigger deal in Canada than it is in the U.S., which is a tra- tragedy. You know, the U.S. should really get on board with this tournament because it's an amazing, amazing tournament. Uh, but, you know, I, I know who I'm picking, obviously. But, Sam, do you have a – do you have uh, – obviously, you get a better knowledge of this stuff than I do because you follow it more, a lot more closely. But do you um, have a pick for who's going to win this tournament? I mean, I, I'm obviously picking Canada. You know, I, I – I don't know. I wouldn't even know enough about the other countries to be able to say who could really challenge them. Apart from the usual suspects, you know, Sweden will be good and the US and Russia will be good, but I don't actually know if any can come close to Canada or not. But do you do you have a pick other other than our great nation? Um I I don't. And and to be honest, it's been a little bit of a chaotic time for me. I was sure. moving and um other other things that are happening and so like i've been checking in a little bit on some world junior stuff but i just like i haven't been able to get into it yet i am i'll be on holidays as of um tomorrow and at that point i'll be all in i'm planning on watching almost every single game and so i'll have a little bit of a a better response for you um 
but I, uh, it does sound like from what I've, I've seen that the Canada is still the favorite and, uh, it would be blasphemous to, to say, uh, anyone else. So the two Canadian hockey fans completely unbiased are picking Canada to win. Shocker. And Shocker. <laughs> there's your hot take to end off the podcast. Um, you know what I will say though, and this is a Minnesota wild, uh, note is that, uh, Jesper Walstead, who is their draft pick this year, um, yeah. will be playing goal. And a player like that um, can make a huge difference in a term like this. And I think that it's often uh, very dicey to uh, put any hopes on uh, a, a nation on the play of a, a 19-year-old goalie or, or however old he is. Um, but it uh, it is going to be interesting to see what, what he's able to do. Um, and uh, there's a chance that that he really takes um, takes Sweden to some places. So uh, we, we will see. All right. So Sam's picking Sweden. I'm picking Canada. <laughs> right. That's exactly that was that's what I said word for word. Um, yep. Good. Well, let's wrap up there. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Kyle, where can listeners find your your stuff? Hop, primarily these days, hop over to purpleptsd.com. There's a lot of stuff going out there. And uh, if you like written Vikings content, then head on over. Yeah, I've been reading some of your stuff more and more lately, and uh, that's good. It's very good. So <laughs> let's just check it out. This is like when my mom tells me that I'm the best yeah, Vikings writer right there. I will say I've, I've noticed that there, you have a, a theme of some family members that, that are really supportive uh, of your writing. And, and that's, I do. that's fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Always, always will be your biggest fans outside of me. Um, there you go. Yeah. Good. Uh, with their thanks to Purple Pain Forums and TPPN, have a great week, everyone, and happy holidays.